In this episode of The Wedding Talk Show, it's uh, just me, one-on-one with you, talking about what goes into the behind-the-scenes efforts of being a marriage celebrant. These things don't only apply to marriage celebrants, but also anyone that's a full-time practitioner running a sustainable business, a business I hope to be in longer than the current season, and I'm definitely one of those. So, today, this is for my friends in the Wedding Experts uh, Facebook group, but also anyone else listening that really wants to get a bit of a behind-the-scenes peek into what makes a marriage celebrant. Towards the back end of the podcast, I'm going to talk more about the actual being a marriage celebrant, but I wanted to start with the really important stuff, which is uh, probably the least talked about part of being in, in business as a wedding provider, and that's the longevity part of it. You know, the average inquiry that I get for my business, it isn't for tomorrow, it's not for next week, it's not for next month, heck, it's not even three months away. In fact, uh, right now we're recording in November 2017, and most of my inquiries are for February, March, April 2019, not even 2018, we're talking more than a year away, which is cool, I'm available for a lot of them, but what those people that are about to book me are expecting, and this goes for everyone that's booking people for weddings, they're expecting I'll still be in business then. They're expecting that not only will I still be in operation, but I'll be able to do a deliver what I promised. I'll be able to deliver on my contract that I signed with them. I'll be able to rock up and just really, really give a shit. Because you know what? I don't know how I'm going to feel in a year and a half, two years time. So I need to be planning for 2019 today. Are you planning for 2019 today? Because I'm supposed to be and I'm barely not. I I am. I'm scheduling holidays and not even, I'm not paying for things. I'm saying I need to take some time off here so that I can be human at Jack and Jill's wedding in April 2019. I'm thinking, what issues have I come across in the past that I could smooth out, either contractually, financially, um, logistically, so that in 2019, I'm still an awesome, happy, excited marriage celebrant. In 2019, I want to be really, 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 excuse the French, really fucking excited about your wedding. I do. Otherwise, you know what? I don't want to do it. If I'm not going to be excited about your wedding, then... You may as well just get another celebrant. There's 9,000 of us walking the country. So uh, if I'm not going to turn to your wedding, just really pumped to be your celebrant, then please don't have me. I don't want to be there. So before we talk about behind the scenes of being a celebrant, behind the scenes of like planning ceremonies, the legalities and whatnot, the first and the easy thing is me maintaining a long-term sustainable business. Have I got insurance? If something goes wrong, like my, my, my PA system was taken off the uh, carousel at Brisbane Airport, can I deal with that? That was $9,000 worth of gear. Can I deal with my PA system no longer being in my possession? Can I afford to buy another one? Can I you know, pay for the insurance to have it? Other issues that come up. So at the very foundation of running a celebrant business and at the very foundation of me charging the fee that I charge is me saying, I want to keep on doing this forever. I don't want to stop. So the first conversation that so many people, particularly in the Wedding Experts Facebook group, brought up is the hourly rate. How many hours do you put into a ceremony? And you know what? It doesn't matter. Some couples, five. Some couples, 50. Because every couple's different. Every wedding is different. But the hours and the hourly rate, like there's obviously, that does matter if you're not charging enough. That's a real issue. But the bigger thing is that, can I afford to keep on being in business? Or am I going to get to... 2018, 2019, 2020, am I, am I going to have to go and get a job at Woolies because I can't afford to deliver on the marriage ceremonies that I've promised I would deliver? 
This not only goes for me, but for my whole family. Can my family maintain that level of business? Am I doing too many weddings and I'm not actually home enough to be a husband to Brit? And so she leaves me. I'm, that's hypothetical. It'll never happen because we are actually right now talking about this kind of stuff. So then in 2019, when I turn up to your wedding, I'm not bloody broken heart and hearted and really disappointed and bloody distressed because um, my home life isn't good enough because I'm not earning enough to actually have a day off a week. Talk to your marriage celebrant, talk to your wedding suppliers, ask them when the, when the last time was they had a day off, they just wanted to do something fun. And if they're not building a business today that acknowledges that that's important, then I'd say there's a bigger issue on the table. So the first behind the scenes pick is that that's what's on my mind when I'm charging what I'm charging today, is that I want to do this forever. How do I build? So now that we've talked about running a sustainable business, just like the longevity of it, so pricing myself so that I'm not doing a thousand weddings a year, but also, so I'm not doing three, but also charging so that I can cover things like a kangaroo hitting my car, which happened a few years ago, or having a PA system stolen with a conveyor belt or whatever it might be. We're moving on to the, um, the next level of running a business, and that's just actually running a business. We're talking about paying for cars, tolls, Gosh, I went to a Mornington Peninsula wedding the other day. It cost me $40 on tolls. I didn't even know that the tolls cost that much. It was crazy. So, so running a business, I know my business maintains about a $15,000 a year advertising spend. Um, and so, so that's part of the cost going, of going into everything. I, I've got costs uh, for uh, holding, um, uh, renting office space, and I've got costs uh, in regards to uh, services that provide to my business. For example, I have a virtual uh, computer that my Celebrant software runs on and uh, I've got to pay for uh, the different web services. And so those expenses really, really do amount up. We're talking about you know, Office 365 or iCloud or Google, um, Google. I think it's called G Suite now, it used to be called Google Apps, or website hosting. My website hosting is $100 a month because every other website host I use I always had the problem, so I actually had to go to someone professional. And you know what? Actually paying for being able to accept credit card payments so 1.9% of every payment I receive is a credit card fee that I have to pay to someone. Um, maintaining a secure website so that when people book me, their details are held securely so that if I get, well, no, so I can't get hacked is what I'm trying to say. Like running a secure website, having security audits on my website. So these are all costs to go into running a business. Even today, I've just uh, I've flown into Adelaide, had the, um, the 8.55 a.m. flight out of Brisbane down to, down to Adelaide. I fly Qantas because I believe they're a much more reliable um, airline than the others. So there's a little bit of a higher cost there. Stayed in an airport hotel last night. That was a um, that was a half a business expense because Britt and I had a date night in Brisbane. Uh, but also, that was so I could catch the early flight without having to get up too early so that I could actually be really excited about today's wedding because I didn't have to get up at 3 a.m. to drive to the airport. So there's all these little things, rental car today, fuel, tolls, etc. So that moves on, and I, I hope that you can understand there's so much in that whole um, running a business scenario that I've just, I've just briefly covered everything in like well, two minutes and 20 seconds, which really doesn't give you enough. But that's a quick insight to, into the cost of running the business. Now we move on to something much, more, much, 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 much more important. From here, we move into a much more exciting, honestly guys, hold on to your seats. This is the best, most exciting part of being a marriage celebrant. Legal fees, ah. And I'm not just talking about being a marriage celebrant, I'm talking about uh, the solicitors, I'm talking about copyright and trademark and protection and making sure my contracts are written really well. I paid two and a half thousand dollars for um, for all of our businesses' contracts and service contracts to be uh, good so that if they ever have to go to court, then myself and the client are well protected. 
We're talking about our trademark protection so that our business and our logo and whatnot is protected. So if anyone tries to use it or steal stuff, we can just say, hey, no, don't. And it's not this big long fight because we've already done the work. But then we also move into accountancy fees, thousands of dollars a year for maintaining a company trust. Uh, that's right, not a sole trader, proper business, that kind of thing. Now, lumped into this whole uh, fee is, uh, I'm also talking about association fees so that I'm covered for different copyright and, uh, and also just industry advocacy so that I'm represented um, in the chambers of government or whatnot. But from here, we also move into actually just being a celebrant. Uh, the, there's the annual registration fee, which is over $200 a year. There's the cost of becoming a celebrant. If you are uh, becoming one today, $600 fee. The cost of training, ongoing professional development, all of these things really, really, really start to add up. The cost of legal marriage stationery, and also maintaining an iPad so that I can sign the paperwork on that with an Apple Pencil and those online services like Dropbox. And I've got a Dropbox business account so that everything syncs up really well. These little legalish nitty gritty things are so important. And as a celebrant, if you're not maintaining them, you just won't be a celebrant for long because that's what they mean. And finally, we get to the bit of the podcast where we actually talk about the behind the scenes of being a celebrant. Yeah, this is the bit that everyone wants to talk about. How many hours do you put into, into a ceremony? I'm going to start with talking something uh, not so related to that, I'm talking about travel. I spent hours, literally, I did the math the other day, I spent about 20 hours a week traveling driving to weddings, flying to weddings, some weeks more, some weeks less, but across the year about 20 hours a week travel. Now, that's not downtime, That's I've got to be alert, making sure my bags and security and everything is all good. But travel, just the mere hours of travel, to and from meetings. Now there's another element of my time that isn't always accounted for. It's happened three times this week. People have rescheduled or cancelled meetings. Time that I've allocated to spend with them has been not been spent on doing that. And there's even the time allocated for sales meetings for couples that end up doing booking me. Now don't worry, this isn't a cry for help. I actually appreciate when a couple meet me and don't book me because it means that I wasn't a good fit for them and maybe that they're not a good fit for me. And we figured that out before we ever had to get disappointed with one another. So free, no obligation sales meetings, whether it's on Skype or in person are important, but they are my time and my time is valuable. But now we get to the actual part where we're planning ceremonies. I know for my average couple, we spend between three and 10 hours Three and ten is a pretty big variable, but different couples have got different needs and different cultures and different things we need to talk through. Sometimes we're sharing beers, coffee, dinner, whatever it might be, but these are all uh, things that really started up for each couple. Sometimes there's a, there's a rehearsal. I'm not a big fan of rehearsals. I don't like the aspect of rehearsing a wedding, uh, but catching up before the day, maybe the day before at the venue, we might call it a rehearsal, but we're not rehearsing anything. Still hours and hours and hours to go into each wedding. On the day, for example, right now, it's 2.06 on Saturday the 25th, and uh, in two minutes, I'm supposed to be leaving for this wedding. That's so I can be there an hour early. It takes 52 minutes to drive there. That's okay. I'm like, I'm going to finish this up and leave. But hours and hours and hours go into it. I like to be there an hour early, legally obliged. Well, not legally, but kind of practice um, obliges me to be there 20 minutes early. But I don't want to be the celebrant that's setting up you know, as everyone's there. I want to be set up when everyone gets there. And let me talk about setup. I mentioned earlier my PA system was taken off the carousel. That's a $9,000 setup that I take to every wedding. Might be a little bit over the top, but it means that the sound and the video and the audio and the music and the microphones is all crystal clear. And it's, you know what, talk to other people about weddings. Everyone says they couldn't hear the celebrant or the celebrant didn't hold the microphone to the couple so that you could hear their vows. All of this kind of stuff. 
I've got wireless transmission, um, uh, wireless audio trans transmission guy gear, sorry, for videographers, which they love, because it means that they can get crystal clear recordings of the uh, of the audio from the ceremony. I use a Sennheiser LSP 500 PA system, which honestly is the best portable battery operated PA system that I can use. I can take it around the world and it just works everywhere because I got 1.8 gig um, microphones, so they skip around on all the frequencies and it just flipping works. Find me a celebrant that can honestly, honest to God, tell me that the PA system has never frustrated them. Even if you don't know how, how much it's charged, I've got two extra spare batteries which costs $500 for the PA system, but I can see to the percentile how charged each battery is, and so when I plug it in I've got eight hours of battery on the day. This kind of stuff isn't cheap, but this is all the behind the scenes effort that goes into being a marriage celebrant. We've barely even covered doing legals, preparing legals. This takes a lot of time. It's important to me that the legal paperwork is, um, is signed correctly, it's filled out correctly, it's true, citing ID, reg registering it with a different BDM. And by the way, each state births, deaths and marriages, that's the BDM, each one has got different procedures for registering the paperwork. In New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland, they like me to do it online. Other states, they need to print it. And all of those are different systems and procedures needed. Now, when it comes to the actual chunk of work that everyone sees, the 20 odd minutes in the ceremony, they're like, wow, I cannot believe that celebrant just charged $2,500 for that 20 minute ceremony. What a ripoff. I know. It's crazy, hey? But then the digs, my friends, and that's what goes into being a marriage celebrant. $2,500 is the fee that I charge for a Perth or an Adelaide wedding that's a, it's a little bit further away. It means I've got to stay the night, I can't come home that night and be with my wife, and there's obviously, obviously lots of travel involved in that. For a local wedding, $1,500, $1,900, depending on where it is and the time of year and whatnot. But that's the behind the scenes of being a celebrant, and that's why I charge so much. And that's why when I see people in Facebook groups uh, saying they'll charge less than the registry office, I'm like, man, that just breaks my heart. Because I know for a fact that that celebrant's not making a living. They're just running a charity. And honestly, if you want to run a charity, be honest and upfront about it. Say this is tax deductible, you can get all the money back. If not, charge what you're worth. You do a bloody good job. Thanks for listening to The Wedding Talk Show. My name is Josh Withers. You can find me online, marriedbyjosh.com. Uh, please share this podcast, and however which way you're listening to it, click the share button and tell other people about it. Uh, I aim to talk to you about questions you have, talk to my industry friends about things that they, uh, they have going on, and couples that are getting married. I want it to be a true wedding talk show. We can just talk weddings and just have a jolly good time. You can always get me at josh at joshwithers.com.au. That's my email, at Joshua Withers on Twitter, at Married by Josh on Facebook and Instagram. And you, my friend, have a bloody good day.